Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 99, and we've got a big show for you folks. We're going to be talking about wide receivers, uh, the 2020 NFL Draft class, wide receivers it's it's a deep class they've got some really good ones in the first round but i get the feeling that we're gonna see some guys being drafted on on day three and some guys will even go undrafted that will go on to have a a very nice career at the next level but ed let let's start with the pro days you had the opportunity to visit two of them this year uh you were on the road a lot longer last year uh, but this year you had the opportunity to visit Wyoming Pro Day. So let's talk about that, Ed. How did it compare to last year? Because you obviously had the chance to uh, to visit Wyoming's Pro Day back-to-back years. So tell us about that experience. Not many people get a chance to go to a Pro Day. Yeah, I, I thought this year was a little better. Um, I, you know, like last year they had kind of like a lot of police and they kind of kept you behind the the fence a little bit or behind the the gate or the I guess I would say like a you know there, there was sort of a separator um this year you know they kind of let the media kind of stand both uh you know with the sidelines and you could get kind of closer looks at you know the different events and stuff like that um you know I I definitely I definitely had some meaningful interviews you know I I really like the kid uh Rocket Ishmael's son um I guess his name's like Rahib uh, Ishmael, but a uh, really nice kid, and I really liked the way he re- route runned, and I thought, you know, he had a nice catch on a nine route, and um, so I, I, um, I have I have nothing but good things to say about Wyoming Pro Day. The only thing I will say about Wyoming Pro Day is that the weather is tough. I mean, just every time I'm in Wyoming, there's some sort of weather problem. You know, like uh, there was about 40 mile an hour winds, and so it was a little scary driving back, but. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, the athletic department did a great job, you know, they, they had, um, you know, they were, I was able to get an interview with, um, you know, um, Wilson. Uh, and so, you know, and, and I, I basically, they let me kind of just, you know, stay in kind of a class, the offensive line room and, you know, wait with the other media members and, you know, they made sure that all of us got, um, you know, Wilson, if we wanted to, they, re- they really do a good job of organizing, for the bloggers, you know, and stuff like that in the media to, you know, be able to get interviews with the guys they want. And, um, it seems like the players have a good relationship with the media staff. So I definitely give them a lot of credit for, you know, how well organized it is. Well, obviously Wyoming, the, the big draw was Logan Wilson. Many scouts and NFL teams were there just to see him and had the chance to interview him. After his short workout, obviously he did his thing at the the combine. He didn't need to to do much except for the drills. And obviously Logan Wilson was was the big draw at Wyoming. And then it was on to Colorado the next day and Colorado Buffs. And we were hoping that Lavisca Chanel Jr. was going to be there, but obviously he he had that injury and he sat out. And it was Stephen Montez and and Davion Taylor uh, providing the the fireworks at. Colorado's pro day yeah and I thought there was a few others you know kind of smaller guys uh I kind of like this kid Tim Lineup Jr. um he, he's been a four-year starter you know he played guard for a few years he moved over to center um you know especially his senior year so a guy who can you know maybe be maybe be like an undrafted guy come in you know be in be that kind of interior you know guy um you know who can play all three positions you know position flexibility for backup and practice squad linemen is very important so I, I, I like Lennon. I interviewed him. Was it was a good kid, um, polite and um, yeah. So I, you know, there was a few others. Uh, Davion Taylor. You know, some of his numbers. I'm like, for a linebacker, really? I mean, he like I calculated. I I had my own stopwatch, but it was like so. It's an unofficial time, but it was like a four four. Um, I thought Montez. You know, just t- talking about Montez. I thought Montez threw really well. Um, we had kind of a group interview and something came out was, uh, you know, uh, I, I did get an individual interview afterwards, but, um, we had a group interview and Montez, Montez said he's been training with Joe Burrow, um, which was interesting. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's quite a name to be training with, uh, you know, for the NFL draft. So, um, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. 
Um, you know, and I was able to catch Montez sort of at the end of pro day, right, you know, kind of as he was walking out, I was kind of the last guy to interview him and, you know, just, I, I interviewed him at the senior bowl, just very nice kid, you know, very, he, he really has insightful answers and deep answers to the, to the questions that you ask him. And I, you know, you really appreciate that as, as a blogger and as a, as a media person. So, um, you know, I, I, I came away pretty happy and, um, you know, it, it was a little hard at uh, Colorado Pro Day, uh, just being able to, um, you know, get the numbers. They had the media kind of off on the sideline on the other side, and we were kind of far from everything, and the scouts were kind of closer. And, you know, other Pro Days, they kind of let you kind of be right in front of things. And um, sometimes at the bigger schools, they, they kind of have you off to the side, even if you're media. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I definitely... I definitely respect, you know, the way the way it was run at Colorado Pro Day, and I thought um, I thought some guys shined. Yeah, Davion Taylor definitely shined. I mean, he put up some numbers that uh, Isaiah Simmons. A comparison is Isaiah Simmons of what he did at uh, Clemson's uh, at, at the combine in Indy. So him and uh, Simmons and Taylor. Uh, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're pretty similar because Taylor ran. 439 unofficially at his pro day so it's it's incredible but whatever wherever you have Davion Taylor right now selected at whether it's fifth round move him up like two rounds because that that's where he's going to get drafted just based on his numbers so if you have him as a fifth rounder move him up to third round if you have him as a fourth rounder move him up to the second round because that's where he's going to be drafted by these nfl teams especially with these pro days being canceled and you were lucky ed you caught the first wave and you had the chance to to see some of these pro days earlier on now you know some of these pro days are getting canceled and i'm sure a lot of them are going to get canceled by by the time we uh, we post this podcast out there, but I, I still hope that a few of them will go on next week and we'll we'll see some numbers. It's just a shame for these small school players that are trying to impress guys that have been training for the last two three months to get this opportunity. Guys that didn't go to the All Star games, guys that weren't invited to the combine, but do get invited, um, you know, to camps and as undrafted free agents, this is how NFL teams operate. And now NFL teams have, have said that they, they're they pulling their scouts and coaches off the road. And obviously, you're going to have to be sending NFL teams your film in order to get noticed. So uh, small school guys uh, are definitely going to be hurt by this entire situation out there. And it's a shame. It really is. Because it's just it's a big part of the NFL draft process, and this is how you fill up your roster. And you know, small school guys come in, become your special team players, and then move on, become backups, and eventually some of them turn out to be you know starters in this league. So we'll see how NFL teams cope with this because obviously pro days were a good indicator for what you know these NFL teams, which undrafted free agents they were going to try to bring in. So it's just a shame. Uh, let's move on to the historic 2020 wide receiver class, Ed. And the reason why I say historic is because I don't think in my time I have ever seen the depth of the wide receiver class being quite this large. And I really honestly want our listeners to find out that there are going to be plenty of day three picks. Guys that are going to go undrafted, they're going to become starters in this league guys that are going to be overlooked and it's just it's an incredibly deep class i you know people ask me this and i've gotten a couple of emails about this uh how did this class compare to the 2014 group and the 14 group had you know mike evans and jarvis landry and obj and and Brandon Cooks, and then you had Sammy Watkins, you had John Brown and Allen Robinson. I would say if we compare it to the 2014 group, I would say the 14 group had a lot more star star power. And I do believe that that star power is going to stay, that we're not going to get as many stars out of this draft. But I think in terms of the depth, there are going to be plenty of these guys in this draft, in this wide receiver class, that are just going to play for for the next decade. So uh, we decided to expand it a little bit. Usually we do, a, Ed does a top 10 list. 
we decided to expand it this week because this wide receiver class is special. Yeah, it's it's the deepest group in this uh, 2020 NFL draft, and uh, we decided to expand it to, to top 20. So let's start with that, Ed. Let's start with your 20th wide receiver prospect on the board. So number 20, I got KJ Hamler. Uh, he's a wide receiver from Penn State. Um, he projects to be only a slot guy in the NFL. He's got 5'9 height. He's a little bit short. Um, I think he's a shifty route runner in the slot. I think he gets a separation with speed. Um, I don't see him as much of a blocker, and I think he has some trouble with 50-50 balls. But, I mean, this is this is a slot option in the NFL. Um, you know, this is a guy who, who could be a slot, you know, maybe a backup early and maybe kind of your primary slot guy at some point in his career. Um... Moving on to number 19, uh, I got Lynn Bowden Jr., wide receiver from Kentucky. And um, this was really kind of a hard-to-project pick because, you know, he's played so many different positions at Kentucky. But, I mean, really he was he really he was a quarterback who could return punts that also could play running back and wide receiver. And, um, you know, at the next level he's probably more of a wide receiver punt returner type. Um, he's a mobile QB, and, you know, you sort of watch his tape from what he does as a mobile QB and you sort of project what he'll be as a receiver. Um, he's definitely not, he's definitely not an NFL QB. You know, maybe, maybe there'll be a trick play at some point in his career where he'll have to throw the ball, but he's really, he's really not a QB at the end next level. Um, I, well, Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden Jr. is projects as a slot guy at the next level. And I think he's very similar. Let's the guys that have come before him, Randall Cobb, Antoine Randall L. Those guys were quarterbacks in college as well, and uh, that, that's what he projects as. But you see the strong hands, Ed. You know he's a fast guy. He's going to run in the in the four threes. He's very athletic. He can high point the ball, and you know obviously he can give you that versati- versatility on on the jet sweeps and as a returner. Lim Bowden is a very interesting prospect, and I think he's going to go higher than than. A lot of people project. Yeah. Um, so we'll go to number number eighteen, which is actually a guy I, I like, and I would, you know, I'd be happy if my team took him. Um, I think he's more. You'd be happy if the Steelers took him. Yeah, I'd be happy if they took Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Um, okay. He's more of a slot guy, not afraid to go over the middle. Um, it's a guy who can kind of stretch the field a little bit. Um, you can use him on jet sweeps. He has good hands. Um, the only thing I, I, I sort of worry about is he hasn't run a full route tree at Minnesota. So I don't know. I, I think there might be like a little bit of um, development coming into his career. Um, you know, maybe he, you might have to develop him a year. But I think this is this is a guy who can, who can kind of help you in the slot game. And, um, you know, this is just a nice option. I mean, he's, the, he's, he's my number 18, but, I mean, he, he would be higher in other drafts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I just think he's soft, Ed. I just, he he drops too many passes in those contested situations in the middle of the field. And that's what he's going to have to do as a slot guy. He, he's going to have to make those tough catches in, in traffic. And I just, I see too many drops from him. Plus, he's had a little bit of a weird postseason. I don't get it. He got invited to the Shrine game. He declined. Okay. I said to myself, maybe he's got an injury He's healing. Showed up at the combine. He didn't test. He said, I'm waiting for my pro day. I don't think that pro day is going to happen, by the way. So he said, I'll be in my environment. I'll do the Minnesota pro day. And that's fine. A lot of people don't test at the scouting combine. But the guys that don't test at the scouting combine are first-round picks, guys that are locks as first-round picks, or guys that are coming off an injury. And I don't think Tyler Johnson was either of those because he's a day three pick at best. So it's like he's shying away from this competition. He's trying to, you know, wait for his pro day. I know that he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to run a 4-4. I think he's more of a low 4-6, high 4-5 guy. I think we all know it, but it seems like he's trying to hide it from the entire world that already knows about it. So to me, that screams that a guy's not much of a competitor and to be honest with you, as a GM or as a scout, I would I would look at that as a red flag, just from my standpoint. I wouldn't want a guy like that on my team. I want somebody to compete. 
I want somebody to improve his draft stock. I want somebody to show up to these all-star games where I'm being invited to or the combine. And this guy's acting like a diva already, like he's going to go in the top 10. Okay, we'll go on to number 17. Uh, so we got Devin DuVernay, uh, wide receiver from Texas. Um, this is a guy I interviewed at the Senior Bowl. Um, he projects as a slot guy in the NFL. I think he's a little bit taller on the taller side for a slot guy. Um, he has the speed to separate. Um, you know, I think he has good hands. I think he can perform the toe drag, sideline drill. Um, not afraid to go over the middle. Um, I guess the only thing is he needs to be a little bit sharper in his route running. Um, you know, definitely, you know, just cutting and stuff like that. Um, but this is, this is, this is a nice option. I mean, this is, I mean, you can't go, you can't go wrong with a Devin DuVernay. Um, you know, he's also a confident kid from talking to him and, um, you know, he's, he's got, he's got a lot of raw tools. Um, and we'll go on to number 16, got KJ Hill, wide receiver from Ohio state. Um, you know, this is a, this is a guy who projects as a slot guy at the next level, but he did play on the outside at Ohio state. Um, he's a simple route runner, you know, not a, not a complex guy. Um, you know, he, he's an average yards after catch guy, average route runner. Um, I guess if there's something that I maybe would like to see better from him is to pick up the defender and open field blocking. I notice, you know, Ohio State has a lot of playmakers and a lot of open field running and, um, you know, just the way they dominated games. And, you know, I just thought I just thought a lot of that tape, I thought he, he really, you know, could have been more aggressive in those open field situations, you know, laid a hit on a guy. Um, but again, he's a smaller guy, so, um, that, that's kind of the downside to him, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess another, another solid slot guy if you need one. Yeah, slot receiver, uh, two-year team captain at Ohio State, that says a lot. Obviously, um, players and coaches respected him quite a bit, and he was, um, he was the security blanket for Dwayne Haskins, you know, last year, and he was the security blanket for Justin Fields on third downs uh, this year. So, KJ Hill, uh, interesting prospect, and I thought he did well at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. So we'll go. We'll go over to uh, number fifteen. We got Collegia Lipscomb, wide receiver from Vanderbilt. This is a Senior Bowl invite. Um, good open field runner. Doesn't get jammed at the line of scrimmage. Decent blocker. Played on the outside. Um, I do think he needs to become a more advanced route runner, but you know, this is a guy you can get mid to late, you know, teach him how to run routes and, you know, could be, could be a solid receiver for you. Um, you know, definitely not a, you know, definitely more of a two or a three, not a, not a number one, but, um, solid option. Um, number 14 is a guy I think is pretty underrated. I like him a lot. Um, you can use him on jet sweeps, which reminds me a little bit of Debo. I don't think he's Debo, but, um, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Debo Samuel. He's a reliable catcher, um, average run runner. Um, you know, he, he, he did a lot of quick slants. Um, I, th- I could really see him in like kind of a West Coast offense, you know, a lot of short passes, you know, maybe like a Patriots type of offense. Um, but he's also a dude. Who was, who was number 14, Ed? You didn't mention him. Oh, Brian. Been, Brian uh, talking about his strength. Brian, Brian Edwards. You just like I said, that I'm sure Will Muschamp has you on a payroll. <laughs> I just I I I guarantee you that every month, I mean, he's like, you know, sending you a little check out there because you know, you speak very highly about his South Carolina Gamecock players. I'm telling you. Well, I, I, I should I should admit that uh when I was in Mobile, uh I, I went to sort of the the sports store there and you know, I I spent more money than I should have and one of the things I got was <laughs> a uh, a uh, like South Carolina Gamecock socks. I don't know. I just like those warm socks. I'm not trying to advertise anything, but I thought they were kind of cool. I kind of like the Gamecocks, but um, but <laughs> anyway, that doesn't help my case. But but yeah, I, I mean, no, it does not. I mean, that's uh, you don't have to say it. <laughs> I know you're on a payroll. That's fine. It's it's. I've already figured it out because I mean I. Look, Brian Edwards is has been a good wide receiver at South Carolina. I just I have question marks, and I've said this before, whether he can separate at the next level. He does certainly doesn't have the speed or the quickness of the route running ability. And when you combine those things, I mean, if I'm not seeing it at the 
SEC level, how do you think I'm going to see that at the NFL level? When, you know, the guy's making tough catches all over the field. So if you're doing that in college, I mean, obviously in the NFL, those aren't going to be catches for you. So that that's probably my biggest question mark about Brian Edwards. He was invited to the Senior Bowl. We didn't get a chance to see him because he was hurt. And then at the Combine, once again, he didn't get a chance to test because uh, he was out with an injury. So he's got he's got some injury bugs out there as well. But interesting. Like I said, you, you love those South Carolina Gamecocks. So I'm not surprised that Brian Edwards is one of your underrated wide receivers. And... He's in your top 15. Well, let's let's go on to the next guy. So number 13 is probably a little bit more of the uh, Alex Kavtov territory of who they like. Um, you know, he is injured, so that does hurt his draft spot, stock. But, you know, he, 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 can, he can get it done as a route runner. Um, you know, he can do, get it done as a blocker. Um, you know, as a guy who can line up in the slot on the outside. Um, you know... I don't think I don't think he was fully utilized in Florida's offense. I think that was one of the problems, and I noticed that he really shined at the Senior Bowl. And I think that's one of the the the, the good parts about having the Senior Bowl is you got to kind of see them in another scheme and more of an NFL scheme. And I thought Van Jefferson really showed himself well in Mobile. Um, you know the I guess I guess if there's a worry with Van Jefferson, it's the injury one, but also. Um, you know, he wasn't getting as much separation. I think that was that was my other worry. But I think you maybe put him in a in a in a in a sort of a different offense and I think a pro style offense and I think he might succeed a little bit better. Well, I think I've talked on this show about Van Jefferson. I thought he was one of the players that was gonna shine at the senior bowl at the wide receiver position. He certainly did. It's a shame that he got injured and I'm sure he's had surgery uh, by now. His dad played in the NFL for the longest time. I, I watched him play. He played for the Patriots, and uh, he played for over a decade, Sean Jefferson. He was a good player. He was also a wide receiver, re- by the way. So I remember fit. Sean Jefferson growing up in New England. And, and now he is, he is, I believe, a wide receiver coach for the New York Jets. Before that, he was with the Miami Dolphins as a wide receiver coach. So it's not a bad thing to have those NFL bloodlines, and Van Jefferson certainly has them. So... He's got short area quickness. He's got he's one of the best route runners in this draft, just period. Just watch a few of his games. You know you would realize what I'm talking about. He catches the ball away from his frame. Doesn't have the speed, but again, an interesting option. And now with his injury, he's gonna drop a little bit more. So if you're gonna get a guy like this in the sixth, seventh round, it wouldn't be a bad option. Definitely. I think I think he might go even earlier than that. Um, but, you know, we had a guy last year, Ed, you watched him. I wasn't there last year, but Terry McLaurin, another player that wasn't utilized at Ohio State. He was there for four years. Ohio State obviously has a lot of wide receivers, and McLaurin was like the fourth option. And at the Senior Bowl, all of a sudden, you know, he becomes the lead dog comes in look at the the season that he had as a rookie for a really bad Washington Redskins squad so I there could be some some interesting parallels here with Van Jefferson as well because he wasn't the first option uh, with the Gators as well so going to number 12 um I got Michael Pittman Jr uh wide receiver from USC um guy who played on the outside he's a decent route runner Gets off the line of scrimmage well, decent blocker, can high point the ball, and he's a tall receiver. So I think I think this is actually a, you know I, this is an underrated guy, and I think this is a nice option. I mean this is this is a guy who you're gonna get it as a bargain. I mean they're not talking about him as a day one or a day two guy, but getting this guy on day three, you know maybe like in the fourth round. I mean especially you know the league moving towards taller receivers and so forth. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is a nice option. I think he's going to go in the third round. And the reason why he cemented going that high was the way he ran at the Combine. And I don't think many people, including us, saw him as a 4-5-2 guy. Because you just don't see that on the football field. You mo- you see more of a 4-6 guy. But he does everything else well. And even though he's not fast, but he's 6-4, he's physical, he's a good route runner, he's got really good body control. So again, uh, another guy that has NFL bloodlines. His father played 
running back in the NFL for a long time. He won a Super Bowl with with the Tampa Bay Bucks as a running back. Michael Pittman is is a really good option. If you're going to get a guy like this in the third round, I mean, in most drafts, you're going to be getting a guy like that early day two. So uh, Michael Pittman is is a really nice option. So go on to number 11. I got uh, Colin Johnson, uh, wide receiver from Texas. And this might have been a guy who could have come out last year. Um, he's a good blocker, um, needs better ball security, definitely with a catch. But he's a vertical threat, has decent height. Um, wasn't asked to do full route tree at Texas, but I think I think I mean he he was he was definitely you know one of Texas's best receivers, and Texas had a lot of good receivers. So um, yeah, I, I like I, li- I like I like the idea of like a fourth round Colin Johnson. Well, Duvernay outshined him during the senior year, and Colin Johnson would just wasn't the same. I've I don't have Colin Johnson in my top twenty five wide receivers in this draft but again you and I differ on some of these guys so it's it's okay yeah um so we'll go on to number 10 uh I got James Prochet uh wide receiver from SMU uh not a good blocker but good speed can be used on screens used a lot in the slot um I think I think he's I think he's a good enough route runner I think he needs to cut a little bit better um but I really like how he hustles on every play um you know, sometimes that hustle guy. I mean, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, who was the kid? Who was the kid from Colorado? Um, he actually did pretty well in the XFL. Um, he was a punt returner as well. Um, I can't remember the name, but um, he kind of you know he kind of reminds me of him. Um, so okay, but <laughs> I think they're. I, I know what you're talking about. The name also escapes me. Uh, he was trying to catch on with the. With the Rams at, in that draft out there, and he was in training camp, and he didn't make the squad. Yeah, I like James Prochet. I think he has one of the better hands in this draft. He makes a lot of contested catches. Obviously, he's a slot receiver at the next level, but I've seen a guy get better. From his junior to senior year, he became a better route runner. He was quicker coming out of his breaks. I like him, Ed. In the right system... This guy could be a volume receiver. Save for like a Patriots team, Ed. This guy can catch like 80, 90 balls a season. I'm telling you, because they're going to put him in the position for him to succeed in those short, intermediate routes. He's going to be that that chain mover. So if he goes to the right team, I mean, this guy could have a really long career and can outplay a lot of the guys that are going to get drafted ahead of him. Yeah. So, um, go on to number nine. Uh, I got Jalen Rager, wide receiver from TCU. This is a guy who has great speed, great, you know, track speed. Um, can be a lot, used a lot in quick slants and screens. Great runner after the catch. Um, he played on the outside at, at TCU, but I think he's more of a slot guy in the NFL. Um, you know, the only problem with him and the reason why I have him as a nine is his hands. Um, and he ran a lot of simple routes at TS- TCU. But I mean, this guy, you know, this guy's just a very good athlete and, you know, you, you can, you can add him to your offense and he can, you know, he can, he can, he can sort of electrify things a little bit. I think he's, you know, he's not, you're going to be your, you know, consistent third down, you know, primary target, but he's, he's going to be a guy who, you know, I, I think in first and second down where you can do a lot of things with him. Well, he could be like a Deshaun Jackson type of player. He can stretch the field, and he can get you yards after the catch. And we remember what Deshaun Jackson did with the Eagles early on in his career. Rager can do the same. Again, we're we're seeing a theme here, but his father also played in the NFL and won a Super Bowl with the Colts. He was he was a defensive lineman, Monte Rager, and um, Jalen Rager is following in his footsteps. I think he's a number two receiver that could be very similar to Deshaun Jackson. And you know what? That TCU quarterback situation last year, it was bad. They just couldn't get him the ball. A lot of people see the statistics. His numbers were down from you know his sophomore to junior year. But look at the quarterback situation. I mean, it was it was really bad if you watch like one or a couple a couple of those TCU games. 
So we'll go on to number eight. I got uh, Denzel Mims, uh, wide receiver from Baylor. This is a guy who, you know, like going into the season, I think was, you know, maybe first and second round guy. Um, good run blocker. Um, good catch radius. Can come up with catch 50-50 balls. No trouble getting off the line of scrimmage. I think I think there's just a lot of lot to like about him. Um, the only thing I don't like about him, and the reason why I kind of put him as not a first round guy and more as my eight is that he's a little bit of a lackluster route runner. Um, but you know, you take the other you take the other aspects of him, and he he has some potential, and I think he's going to intrigue somebody. I think he's a late first round pick, Ed, and here's the reason why I say that. He sneaks in there just because of the postseason that he has had. The Senior Bowl, we saw him get better. We saw him shine during Wednesday's practice, during Thursday's practice. He was arguably the best wide receiver on the field. He was beating every cornerback out there in the red zone drills. He was just he was showing how competitive he could be, and I think that was one of the question marks coming in. And then at the Combine, he continued to, to kill it. We knew he was a track star. He ran a 4.38, uh, 6.66 on the three cone, showed off his athleticism on the vert and the broad. This guy has helped him and that himself. And somebody's just going to fall in love with him there and, and take him at the end of the first round. I disagree with it because the film doesn't match. Because I see inconsistent hands. I see an average route runner. I see a guy for a, as big as he is. Guys that challenge him at the line of scrimmage, he has a tough time getting off the press. I hope he can correct some of those things because obviously he's a guy that has, he's explosive. He has all the athleticism in the world. He has a huge catching radius. And he just, I think there are plenty of teams out there at the end of the first round that would be able to uh, take a chance on a guy like Denzel Mims. All right, we'll go to number seven. Um... Antonio Gandy Golden, wide receiver from Liberty. Um, he's a big target who can come up with the 50-50 balls. He's an outside receiver. Um, he can really use his size to shield the defender from the ball. Um, I guess, you know, not a sharp route runner, not great getting off the line of scrimmage. But, you know, he's kind of he's kind of a tight end in a wide receiver, playing wide receiver. You know, just he'll have that effect where he can – you know, sort of just be that big target, sort of quarterback's best friend. Um, I think I think he 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 showed the you know he came from Liberty, but he showed at the Senior Bowl that he can he can play with anyone, and that he he deserved to go to a bigger school. And um, you know, he interviewed well with me. Um, so I think I think I think Antonio Gandy Golden is definitely. I mean, I I would say day two kind of guy. Yeah, I agree with that. Gandy Golden is one of my guys. I'm glad you put him at at number seven uh, i'm glad that you gave him the the praise and and the love that i believe he deserves yeah so we'll go on to uh number six uh justin jefferson uh wide receiver from lsu um i think he's a good route runner i do think he needs to be sharper on his routes though um he's a guy who can line up in the slot on the outside good effort as a blocker um I guess maybe he has some trouble with 50-50 balls. Um, I think I think his main claim to fame really is is that he was the go-to guy at LSU in 2018, and he had a great 2019. And I think that's why he is probably a second-round pick. Um, you know, he just he was Joe Burrow's number one receiver, really. And you know, you can do a lot of different things with him. And I th- I think he's very much a I think he's very much a, a number two receiver in the NFL. Well, he's a slot guy at the next level because that's what he showed during his junior year. He had 111 catches. He was definitely Joe Burrow's favorite target for a lot of the season before Burrow started going to Jamar Chase. Yeah, I just, I actually think you're underselling him a little bit. I thought he was a second round pick, Ed, but he ran a 4-4-3 at the combine. He's a lot faster than I think anybody thought he was, and and that's why he's going to go in the first round. Can you imagine him going to a team like the New Orleans Saints that uh-huh. knows how to use a player like that? That's all I'm saying. Like You've got Michael Thomas. You've got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. Can you imagine putting Justin Jefferson in the slot one-on-one matchups? 
he's going to kill those slot receivers, Ed. I mean, Sean Payton is going to get like 100 catches out of Justin Jefferson every year. Well, we'll see where he goes, but that, that would be an interesting uh, place for him to go. Um, we'll go on to number five. So now we're in our top, our top five, and we're getting to kind of the first-round guys. I don't know if LaVisca Chenault will be a first-round guy um, just because of his injury, um, but I do like his toughness. Um, I I think he I think he's I think he's a better slot receiver. I think that's where he he shines. But I think he will play on the outside. I think he's kind of like a he might be primarily in a slot in a three receiver set, and then you know maybe in like twelve or twenty one personnel he 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 plays on the outside. Um, he's a vertical threat. Um, you know he he's got kind of like a running backs build with uh, six one six you know six foot six one height. Um, you know he can. You can use him on all the gadgets and screens, and you can get creative with him. Um, you're probably gonna have to teach him a full route tree, so we don't we don't quite know what he is as far as a, a route runner yet. But um, you know, great athlete. I mean, if if he went to the combine, we know that he would have done very well. Um, well, he was at the combine, Ed. I mean, he still ran a four five five with his injury. And he mentioned that going into the combine, he was injured. So uh, obviously, he would, most likely would have ran a lot faster. I've soured on Lavisca, and durability is is a major reason why. It's just look, the NFL. I mean, guys are bigger, faster, more athletic, and he plays that style, that that tough style. I mean, he's he's a running back after the catch. He's not a guy that's going to go down or go out of bounds. I mean, he's going to. It's part of his physical style. He's going to try to pick up those extra yards, and I don't think his body is already giving out on him in college. He's missed a lot of games in Colorado, and look, if if people believe that some kind of a miracle is going to happen and all of a sudden he's going to be healthy in the NFL, they're kidding themselves. I mean, LaVisca is would be a good wide receiver if it wasn't for those durability concerns. And unfortunately, he's got huge baggage there. Yeah, well, I'm a little more partial to him because he, he really could dominate. He could really dominate in, in the Pac-12 um, before, you know, before he had those injuries. So, I mean, that's why that's why I think, I think you know, if you, I think he, he is worth a first-round pick if you want to go there. He may get pushed back because of the depth in this class, but... Um, you know, he, he really did dominate the Pac-12. Um, going to number four, I got Henry Ruggs III, um, wide receiver from Alabama. Um, this is just a guy I really I really think is going to get separation. He's got great speed, 4-2-8 speed. Um, also, I think I think he shows some things as a route runner. Um, I think he's I think he's a good open field runner. You know, if you get him in space, um, lined up in the slot in the outside at Alabama. Um, is a guy you can use in screens and motions. Um, and I think he's, I think, I mean, really, really what it is, is that I think this is going to be a guy who's going to be open a lot in the NFL. And so I think, I think he's actually going to have a very good career. And I think, I think he's definitely worth a first round pick. No, he's definitely a first round pick. He's going to go in the top 15 and don't be surprised if he goes ahead of Judy or Lamb in this draft, because I think people are underselling him a little bit because, first of all, he scored a lot of touchdowns. I mean, I think 33% of his catches went for touchdowns. That's insane because he can stretch the field vertically and he can do the same thing in the open field and he can make people miss. But he's not just a speedster. He got better as a route runner, as a junior. And I also saw that, I saw a stat he only had one drop during his college career. Played at Alabama for three years. He was he was a starter for two. One drop. He certainly has better hands than Jerry Judy. So, Henry Ruggs. I mean, I'm sure there's some teams that have Ruggs as the number one wide receiver in this draft. And that shouldn't be a, a crazy statement out there. Just because he checks all the boxes and they obviously believe that he can become a better route runner in the NFL as well. And that's something that he does need to work on. But I saw improvement from his sophomore to junior year. 
So we'll go to our top three. I got number three. I got Ceedee Lamb, court, or you know, wide receiver from the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, good hands, very good yards after catch guy. Can line up on the slot on the outside. Um, I don't think he ran a full route tree at Oklahoma, and I think he needs to run routes better. But I mean, this is a guy who definitely has a ton of potential. Um, has has the college production. You know, played at major college football. Um, you know, succeeded at major college football, was dominant as a great athlete. So, um, you know, C.D. Lamb is my number three. Lamb is a big-time player. He's my top wide receiver in this draft. I just, he's a volume wide receiver, and this guy can dominate. He can score multiple touchdowns in a game. He can handle that load. He can catch like 10 passes, 10 to 12 passes a game. Look, he might not be as physical because he's about 190. He would want those guys to be 200, 205. He's got great hands, those ball skills, the body control, his ability to be electric in the open field. You know, I think he can run routes, a full route tree at the next level. I'm in love with CeeDee Lamb. I just, look, this guy is going to become one of the better wide receivers in this class. I think he's the best one in this in this entire class. It's just, I just, I would go to bat for CeeDee Lamb. I mean, if there's one guy out of this wide receiver class in the first round, I would say I, th- this would be my guy. This would be my my boy, as they call it. Doesn't have elite speed. I think that's the only thing that's holding him back. If you just want to say, like, he's not a perfect prospect. I mean, he's not 6'3 and 210 pounds, and he doesn't run a 4'4". Uh, obviously, in the in a perfect world, you would want you know, a Julio Jones or a Calvin Johnson type of receiver. But Ceedee Lamb is a heck of a guy, and there are plenty of four or five guys that are dominating in the league right now. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, those guys didn't run four four, in on their pro days or at the combine. Ceedee Lamb is my guy in this draft in this in this wide receiver class. I just I think this guy is going to be a star. So we'll go on to number two. Um, I got T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson. Ran a four four three at Clemson Pro Day. Um, you know, didn't run a full route tree, but he's tall and he's speedy, and he's a red zone target. Um, he he is pretty much the best Z receiver in this draft. Um, not 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 a not a very willing blocker, but um, you know that the combination of size speed. Um, athleticism, um, you know, and and he was productive at Clemson. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't productive at Clemson, but he was very productive at Clemson. I mean, he was Clemson's best receiver, and Clemson had a great year. So um, this is my number two. Um, That leads me to my number one. Uh, Let's go to your number one. I'm excited to hear it, and uh, I'm sure our listeners are as well. And um, I think they know who it is, Ed. They know what's coming. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll spill the beans. It's uh, Jerry Judy, wide receiver from Alabama. Um, I think he's a great route runner. He's a deep threat. He can line up in the slot on the outside. He has good hands. Um, I think he drew a lot of pass interference. You know, teams didn't know how to cover him. Um, you know, he was a willing blocker. Um, you know, maybe not a great open field blocker, but um, he does need to high point the ball better. Um and he's and he's feisty after the catch. You know he's tough. He'll get the tough yards after the catch. So um, Jerry Judy is my number one, and I think he's going to be a great receiver in the league. The best route runner that I've scouted was Amari Cooper. Now I would say in the last seven or eight years, Amari Cooper was the best route runner coming out of college, and I still feel that way. Jerry Judy is a good one. He is, and he's been a good one since his freshman season, but. I see problems with drops on film, Ed, concentration lapses. Um, Teams that respected his speed, they played a lot of off coverage. But teams that were willing to get up in there were able to disrupt him at the line of scrimmage with that press coverage. He's really bothered by press coverage. I think he's a slot receiver strictly at the next level. 
Maybe I'm being too harsh on Jerry Judy because in our off-season show, I guess I expected him to take that leap forward. I was like, all right, Jerry Judy can actually be in the Heisman talk after his sophomore coming out party where he was the Bolitnikoff Award winner. He wasn't even the best wide receiver on his team, man. And that's to be fair. I mean, Devontae Smith was the go-to guy if you look at Alabama's film last year. Whether it was and the stat and the stats and the stats too. No, I mean it's not the stats. It's just even Tua was looking at Devonte Smith when he needed the big play, when he needed that. He, check the LSU tape. All right, when they were down, he was looking at Devonte Smith. He wasn't looking at Jerry Judy because he knew Devonte Smith was going to get open. He was looking at him on those third down plays, on those slants. Devonte Smith was open, and Henry Ruggs outplayed Jerry Judy. So to be honest with you, the Bolitnikoff Award winner in 2018 was outplayed by two wide receivers. And you can actually make a case that Jalen Waddle came on later on in the season as well. So Judy was the third or fourth option. I was waiting for Judy to bust out, Ed. And the only game that I saw was the Michigan game. So if you turn on the Michigan game, it's the bowl game, his last game of the season. I'm sure Alabama coaches knew that Judy was going to enter the draft, so they featured him. And against Michigan, you know, he went off. What did he have, like six, seven receptions for over 200 yards, a couple of touchdowns? It was a great game. But I expected Judy to be that way throughout the season. I didn't see that. I didn't see that urgency. I didn't see the trust in the quarterbacks. And that's what makes me think, like, how do you believe that Judy can become that go-to guy in the NFL? I think he's more of a number two guy, Ed. Not a guy that, that's going to be catching 10 to 12 passes a game, but a guy that's that can catch five or six passes, get 100 yards, catch that long touchdown. But I don't think he's ever going to be that, that go-to guy in the NFL because I didn't see that at Alabama. It's kind of weird, Ed. I mean, you, you always ask yourself that question. If a guy is going to get drafted in the top 10 or top 15, Obviously, you expect them to be the go-to guy for your um, for your NFL offense. I'm not sure Judy is going to be that guy because he's better than Calvin Ridley, but I'm not sure he's better than Amari Cooper coming out. So I think he falls somewhere in the middle. He's not like a fantastic athlete. I mean, he's a good athlete. You you even in your notes, you're like, I wish he can high point the ball better. But I think he plays closer to the ground. That's not the type of receiver that he is. I mean, he's closer to the ground. He's got great acceleration, great speed, but he's not a guy that's going to jump out of the gym. So I've got some question marks about Judy. I feel more confident about Lamb in the top 10, top 15, because I think I know what I can get with him. If I'm drafting that high, he is going to become my number one guy. All right, let's move on uh, to uh, most overrated, most underrated, and sleepers at the wide receiver position. Okay, well, um, my my most overrated is uh, Gabriel Davis. I think a lot of people have him as like a you know a day two a day two pick. Um, I see him getting jammed to the line of scrimmage. Uh, isn't a big blocker. Doesn't move to the ball to catch it. Um, but does have is a deep threat and it has burner speed. And I think that's what people like about him. I actually don't think he has burner speed. I mean, he's a four five four guy. That's kind of like James Washington, Ed. James Washington, when he was coming out of Oklahoma State, also was a deep threat. He's never developed into that deep threat with the Steelers. So I don't think that that's what Gabe Davis is going to be able to do. I like the fact that he's physical at the line of scrimmage. He knows how to use his hands. He's got good footwork. He can get off press coverage. And that's what makes me think that he's going to become a pretty good short to intermediate route runner. So it's more of a projection right now because he didn't run the full route tree at the UCF he was more of a deep threat but I like those subtle moves and you know those great wide receivers when you watch him in the NFL they're able to extend that arm at the last second especially guys that don't have that speed Michael Irvin was so good at it and he was he was able to just put that arm out there for an extra second and then it would slow down the cornerback and then he would catch that ball I see Gabe Davis doing that. That's what NFL receivers do. So he's got those little subtle moves that can't be taught, to be honest with you, especially for a college guy. And he's already got a few of those. And I'm high on Gabe Davis. Davis is one of my guys in this draft. So 
I, I had him on my top 10 in my rankings, and that's that's not going to change. Uh, let's. Who are some of your other guys that are overrated? Another guy that I have overrated is Chase Claypool, a wide receiver from Notre Dame. Um, you know, a guy who was using the slot on the outside. I think he struggles getting off the line of scrimmage. He's an average route runner. Um, you know, wasn't really getting separation. Um, it's just... I, I I just you know not I just I I just I don't know how he's going to get open at the next level. But he's going to get drafted a lot higher. Again, same thing with Denzel Mims. Ed Claypool just tested out of this world. I mean, just look at his numbers at the combine. I mean, he's he's a great athlete and he had like four four two speed. And this is for a guy who's like six four, almost two thirty. So teams are obsessed with that, Ed. They, they see an explosive wide receiver, and Claypool is going to go on day two. Most likely, he's going to be a third-round pick like Miles Boykin was because Boykin's numbers last year and Claypool's this year at the Combine are almost identical, and they're like the, the same wide receiver. Guys that, that didn't do well in terms of production at Notre Dame, but they're going to get drafted a lot higher because some team is going to believe that, hey, He's going to become a better pro than he was in college. How about underrated guy, Ed? Um, well, I already talked about Brian Edwards. I mean, he's my he's my underrated guy. I think another guy who's underrated is um, is Michael Pittman. Um, okay. You know, I I think I think I mean I I would say Lavisca Chenault's another guy who's being underrated. I mean he. He really dominated in the back twelve, and I've already said that. But I mean, he was he. I mean, they said they said at CU that he was the best wide receiver they've ever had, ever had. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. They they've had some good ones out there, but Le, nobody is arguing that Ed. I mean, Lavisca Chenault was going to go in the first round if it wasn't for the injuries. Now he's going to drop into into day two, and a lot of it is going to depend on how fast he recovers from that injury. I think they gave him like a six-week time period. So he's going to be back before the NFL draft. One of my underrated guys, we're talking about Pac-12. You mentioned Pittman. You mentioned Chenault. I'm going to go with Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State. A big wide receiver. He has arguably the best hands in this draft. I think he had only one drop last year. So he catches the ball away from his frame. He runs a variety of routes. He has outstanding size and large catching radius. His father played in the NFL. Uh, Hodgins, he was a Rams fullback out there. Another underrated prospect. Just makes a lot of catches in traffic. Uh, he ran 4-6 at the combine, but he's a big wide receiver. He's quicker. He's a lot more quicker than, than he is fast. So uh, Hodgins is, is another Pac-12 wide receiver that's being underrated in this draft. He's going to be a day three pick. But I just wanted to mention his name because I don't think he's getting any any love out there from what I've seen. Let's go with the sleeper, Ed. I think everybody wants to to hear about sleepers on this podcast. Well, number one, I got uh, Jeff Thomas from Miami. And I think a little bit of the reason why he's pushed down is Miami didn't have a great year. Um, he, is, he is undersized, and that's why he's going to be picked on day three. But he's got 4-3 speed. Um you know he he did line up on the outside at Miami. Um, I think he I think he's a decent enough route runner. Um, I I I also just think Miami quarterbacks weren't getting him the ball, but I think I think he's a guy who can get separation at the next level. Uh, he's got character concerns, Ed. I think a lot of teams won't even have him on the board. It's not the fact that he, he's a talented player. I mean, turn on the film, you see it. He was kicked off the team in 2018 by Mark Richt. He was going to transfer to Illinois. Then Richt left and Manny Diaz invited him back on the team. So he came back and then he was suspended for another two games in 2019. So there are a lot of whispers out there that he's a head case and he's got major character concerns. So I would assume that, that Jeff Thomas will go undrafted. Someone will give him a shot, a chance. He's going to clean up. I mean, this guy can make the roster because he's a good slot receiver and he can help as a returner as well. With that speed, you can put him as a kick returner, as a punt returner. He's just got to keep his nose clean. 
that's that's it any more sleepers for you ed well i mean another guy i want to mention i mean i don't know if he's like a deep sleeper but i like courtney davis from uh from texas a&m uh, he's a guy who can play on the outside in the slot decent yak guy you know yards after catch um i think i think he's uh i think he's decent running routes could be a little sharper um he has some toughness not afraid to go over the middle and he has decent speed so um you know he's he's kind of a day three guy but um i i like courtney davis all right i want to mention a couple of more prospects donovan peoples jones a lot of people are pushing him up especially after that combine I get it. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, he's got the 4-4 speed, but I don't understand those people that are putting him in the top 10 because check the film. I mean, he's got all the physical tools. We know that, but he just, he didn't show up. He didn't make plays. He he didn't produce. He had injuries. Um, He was not the number one target for Shea Patterson the last couple of years. He's, He's a weak blocker. He's an average route runner. He's soft. He, he's not willing to block and it's just it's amazing to me like you have a great combine all of a sudden you become a top 10 wide receiver people forget what you've done during your college career he just wasn't a good wide receiver in the big 10 another guy quintus cephas from wisconsin very physical wide receiver who specializes in making contested catches in the middle of the field he ran 472 at the combine but he ran a 456 at the at the pro day that that's more accurate so uh he was the leading wide receiver at wisconsin last year a very fun prospect to watch he's a possession receiver but has an interesting game out there um and i wanted to mention a couple of sleepers i mean obviously on this website we uh talk about small school guys i wanted to mention justin hill from mount union uh it's a division three school but Mount Union has been producing wide receiver for as long as I can remember. Pierre Garçon, Cecil Shorts, Justin Hill is the next one in line. Had a great senior year. He's a He was a big play threat in college. He has good ball skills, the leaping ability, the body control. He knows how to use his body and shields the defender away for being, you know, 5'11 only. And another guy is Mason Kinsey. Had a chance to watch him at the Shrine game. He's from Barry College, another Division three school. Uh, he had a solid week at the Shrine game, catches the ball away from his frame. He's gotten better as a route runner. And um, I like his speed and and quickness as well. So he'll help you in the return game. He can be a kick returner and a punt returner at the next level. Just wanted to give a shout out to a couple of Division III prospects out there because they deserve it, man. I mean, they've they've been good players in college, and they definitely deserve a shot at, at the next level. Ed, you look at this wide receiver class I mentioned before, we started talking about wide receivers. I said that it's historic in terms of the depth because there are a lot of guys out there. Uh, how do you feel about this group? I just I don't think it's as good as the 2014 group. Um, what's your opinion? What's your take on it? See, I, I think with this with this wide receiver class, obviously you can get some good guys on day one. I just I, you know what I would do? I'd wait. I'd wait till like the fourth or fifth round. And just see who drops, and I think you can get a very good option that way. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how I'd approach this draft. There's just there's just so many guys that I'd be happy with in this draft, and so, um, you know, I, I don't know I don't know if it's like a you know I mean, Jerry Judy, how does he compare to number ones that I've had in the past? I don't know, maybe better than last year, but I don't know about two years ago um, or three years ago, so. I would say I would say that I would say that this is definitely a wide receiver class that has plenty of depth. Yeah, I agree with that statement, Ed. So, fun group to to scout, watch film on. It was fun watching him at the Senior Bowl as well, and I'm sure we're going to get a few guys out of this group that are going to make multiple Pro Bowls. So, it's going to be fun to watch this group. We'd like to welcome our guest to the show. 2020 NFL draft prospect and Syracuse wide receiver Sean Riley Jr. Sean, how are you? Good man, how are you guys doing? Man, this is Good, man. Th- this is an exciting time for you, huh? The preparation for the pro day, it's going to be on March 23rd. Have have you set mm-hmm. like certain goals for yourself for that day? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh I'm just trying to get out there, turn heads, uh 
show some uh, teams that probably didn't know me, um, show them what I can do. Yeah, turn some guys. What do you think your 40 time will be at your pro day? I think I run uh, low 4-4, four, 4-3, four, four, high 4-3. Uh, do you know, like, obviously, what are some other times that you're looking for right now? I mean, have you set some goals in terms of hitting some of those peaks uh, in terms of maybe like short shuttle or a uh, three cone? Oh, yeah. or, uh, what are what are your goals for, for those for those events? I mean, I feel like those are my best doing three cone. Um, I really I'm a wild some um, scout that um, I quite with the three cone at a six four one, so I know that is that's like a crazy time. So a while some scouts and um, I clocked a three three nine eight uh, shuttle. So you know, uh, that can be like two drills for me. Yeah, those are insane times out there, Sean. If you can duplicate okay. that at the pro day, you're gonna be you're gonna be all right. Uh, what have you been? Uh, what have you been working on the most during your training? What are some of those things that you had to improve upon between uh, the end of the season um, up until the pro day? Well, I've just been trying to get crisp in my route running and uh, just trying to um, pack on some like good weight. So th- those are kind of two main things I've been focusing on. Probably uh, working on my forty start as well. So that's pretty much it. What is what is your weight right now between uh, what it was to to end the season at Syracuse? I ended the season around like 165. I'm like 171 right now. What are your strengths? And we're talking about football strengths, like on the field. Right. Uh, I feel like I'm my quickness is among the best, probably in um, like the, this draft. Um, I feel like my ability to read. The defenses is uh, really good as well, um, and that's probably it. Probably my speed as well. You're very dangerous to return, man. Can you talk about that part of your game? Oh yeah, um, I've always been a really good in the return game. I um, focus on that coming out of high school. I knew that's something that will carry on to the next level and help me um, probably uh, get on the team and earn a roster spot. So. I really love the return game, and I I make sure I treat that as a primary position for myself. You broke some records at Syracuse. Can you talk about what those accomplishments mean to you? Well, absolutely. Um, Syracuse is known to have good return men. Uh, Quadri Ishmael, um, Kevin Johnson Jr., and to be uh, amongst those guys and um, break their record. It's uh, it's really uh, really exciting thing to do, and uh, I thank Coach Babers for putting me in that position and uh, being able to be the primary return man all four years. Uh, Sean, you you had the opportunity to participate in an All Star game out there, the the College Gridiron Showcase in mm-hmm. Texas. Uh, tell us about that experience. Uh, what did you take away from that? Um, that was also a great opportunity for me uh, to get in front of NFL scouts and uh, show them something probably they didn't know about me. And um, I I went out there and um, I proved that I could um, play at the next level. Uh, what was what was the feedback that you received from, from scouts from that event? What was the overall impression that you got from NFL teams at CGS? Right. Um, after every practice, uh, I kept getting more and more interviews with the with teams, and uh, they're I feel like they're really impressed with my speed and like the my ability to get open. So um, that's kind of where I was. They um really liked my uh, ability to get open. So what made you choose Syracuse originally from being from Los Angeles? Um, actually, my coach had a coach from my high school who played for Coach Dino. And uh, when he got the job there, I took a official to Syracuse. Um, I really enjoyed my trip, and uh, I trusted Coach Babers from hearing um, a lot about him from my high school coach, Brandon Malamalu, who played for him at Arizona. 
And uh, that just made me more comfortable about the situation. And I just committed. Talk about your academic career. I understand you made All-ACC academic team in 2017. In high school, I always tried to keep a really good grade point average. So it was just a thing I, I, I took pride in. And that carried over to the field for me. So um, as far as learning plays and um, just being more visible about the game. So definitely took pride in uh, my grades. Tell us about the players that we should keep an eye on in Syracuse for next season, guys that are coming back. So we, we're talking about, like, returning draft prospects. Right. Uh, Tosh Harris uh supposed to be, like, the breakout receiver this year. Uh, he's only about to be a junior. Uh, started for two years. Um, he's going to be a really good candidate to watch at the receiver position. So I feel like Tosh Harris. Uh, you mentioned Dino Babers a few times during our interview. Uh, what did you learn the right. most from Coach Babers and, and the rest of that coaching staff at Syracuse? Uh, stand-up guys. I uh, feel like they, they're they uh, 100% honest with you. Uh, Babers, I just feel like um, he's a guy who's going to help you uh, get to that next level and uh, tell you what you need to focus on, what you should be focusing on. Um He's a student of the game, and uh, I just feel like he taught me a lot while I was there. I'm curious, which NFL player would you compare your game to? Uh, I like to watch uh, Tyree Kill. I kind of watched him throughout my career at, uh, at Syracuse because he also – I played running back in um, high school, so he, he played running back in college. So I just – I feel like we – I kind of emulate my game after him. Um, I feel like we both playmakers, and we go with the ball in our hands. So that's a, a player I like to watch. See, I I see a lot of Tavon Austin in you when he was in college. Yeah. I, I think you guys yeah, are um, pretty similar. Absolutely. Uh, that's another player I, I like to watch. Go back and watch his college tape all the time, so. Sean, what was it like to make that transition from running back to wide receiver? Uh, obviously, you mentioned that you were a running back in high school. Was it a tough transition to make to go to wide receiver in college? Uh, not at all. Um, I always ran routes, you know, caught the ball. So I kind of knew I was always going to play receiver. Um, I knew I would get yeah, every down back. So, uh, you know, I wanted to feed in the game all the time. So um, it wasn't that hard for me. Uh, I know your dad played at Western Michigan. He was an Arena League standout. He even got a shot in the NFL. Uh, what has he taught you mm -hmm. about football, and what type of influence has he had in your life? I uh, played a major role in my life. Uh, taught me a lot about the game since I was little. I've been playing since I was like five years old. Um, he taught me uh, there's one thing he can't teach me, and that's uh, vision. On and uh, like as a, a big part of my game, I, my dad uh, done a good, great job. So obviously, you guys were always playing in the backyard, right? Since you were little. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll go out to this this hill when you still be little. Uh, it's, it put me all the way at like the middle to the, towards the top of the hill. He said, "Don't let me catch you." We'll just be running the hill, and then for, ever since then, I've been running the hill. And that's uh, pretty much where I got my feet from, from the hills. And nobody has been able to catch you ever since. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Sean. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck to you at the Pro Day. Thank you. Uh, this was Blitzcast number 99. Thank you for listening. Take care.